0: Anyone else glad to be in church this morning? I am. I always am. I get excited every Sunday. Uh, Wanted to thank everyone. Um, This past Friday night was uh, True Light Ministries' night in a box. Um, So a few of us from New Hope, if you remember, we raised some money and took some funds down and we spent uh, Friday night. Living in a cardboard box, as it turns out, I'm not too bad of a bum. I, I might be able to make it as a bum. I I slept pretty well. I didn't wake up until Wayne stuck his head in my box and said, "Good morning, sunshine." About 20 till 7, I was out. So I wanted to thank everyone because we we raised a thousand dollars, and I know a lot of you gave. That's tremendous. We were able to bless them, and that food, or that money goes directly to buy food. They f- I, I did get to talk with Pastor Ed a little bit. They feed a hundred-plus people every morning. They f- feed them breakfast and then on the weekends, they do a lunch a little bit differently, but they're feeding a lot of people each day. Um, so I wanted to thank you for being so generous. That was awesome. Um, well, if they do it again next year? We may have a few more of us go down there. Um, It wasn't that bad. It was kind of enjoyable. So more to come on that a year down the road. Another reminder real quick before I get started is um, no PM service tonight. Being Labor Day weekend, we want everyone to enjoy their weekend and relax a little bit and do everything non-laborious. So no PM service tonight. Uh, We will resume next Sunday night. And remember for our Sunday evenings, you did have a little assignment you have to do. I believe it was have everyone look at your list, your temperament, your list of strengths and weaknesses. And, and a trusted individual was supposed to write what they think is five strengths and five weaknesses for your temperament. So that was our assignment. That'll be due for next Sunday night. So you get a little extra week on that. Okay, let's get to the Word. Uh, Kind of excited to preach this. I always, the Bible to me is so fascinating. I love everything in it. To me, it's awesome. Uh, But the Bible records many examples for us of great men and women that have done great works for God. If you've ever had a chance to peruse Hebrews chapter 11, you know, it's kind of like the chapter of faith that talks about all kinds of men and women of God that through faith, they wrought great works. Uh, If you look at Hebrews chapter 11, it mentions Abel. It mentions Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, all these great men and women of God. It, It mentions Moses and Rahab. It mentions more, but all these people did tremendous works for God through faith, through their belief in God. And we find them for us to reference in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, I'm going to read. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of them. And we can only briefly stay in Hebrews 11 this morning. But we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 32. And remember, this is the, the chapter of faith. It mentions all these great men and women of God. Hebrews eleven thirty-two 32 says, And what shall I say more? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, Of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, you know, to Jeremiah's, the Isaiah's, and Ezekiel's, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, and quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and out of weakness were made strong. They waxed valiant in fight and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Verse 35 says women received their dead raised to life again and others were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. I read that and I say wow what tremendous things these men and women of God did. Man, isn't it awesome to read about them and look back at the wonderful example that they left for us that's recorded in these scriptures. We can look at these great men and women of God and say, man, look what they did. Look at the things they wrought through their strong faith in God. Isn't it awesome? I, I get excited over stuff like that, over these great examples that the Bible has for us to look back on. We can look back on some of these people that I just mentioned and we can see how they acted. We can see how they responded. We can see the things that they did. And we can look at our own lives and we can say, Geesh, this is how this man of God did it. That's why they're in there, for us to look back on and gain understanding and gain knowledge and gain insight to their lives. Now, The 11th chapter of Hebrew finishes up by telling us some tremendous things that these men and women went through. Tremendous ...things that they went through because of their belief in God. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 is very much worth a closer examination, but we got to move on from there. We can only stop briefly for there. Okay, so we have all these wonderful examples to look at in the Word of God. How, how many of us this morning have had at some point in your life, you've had a good example to look to and just maybe a parent... Maybe a mom, a dad, maybe a teacher, you know. All of us at some point in our life has had a good example that we can look back to. Maybe a pastor, obviously not me. Maybe a friend, maybe a mentor, maybe a boss that you look to. and Man, they're just a great example. Of someone that maybe you aspire to be similar to that person. You know, someone that you really look up to. Someone that's just kind of a a little bit of a rock in your life and has has been there. And you've seen some of the things they've went through. They've taken some tremendous bombs in their life over the course of your life. And you observe this person and somehow they come out still sweet. And still a man of God. still a woman of God. And you look at them and you say, man... Someday, I'd like to be similar to that. Someday, I aspire to be like this person. Why? Because they're a good example. They're setting a good example for me. You know, I know that we've all had someone like that, someone you might want to mimic, someone that you have seen that they've went through some junk in their life, but still, somehow, they come out still serving the Lord, still sweet. And we all have people like that. I have a list of people like that that I look at, and I'm like, "Geesh." I hope someday I can kind of be like that. You know, that's why the Bible gives us these examples of these men and women. You know, men and women that leave us good, godly examples for us to look to, to see how they acted and see how they reacted. The Bible's full of them. But the Bible also has examples for us to go look at of men and women that show us what not to do. Amen. How many of you here of us have had an example in our lives that has showed us what not to do? Maybe a bad example. We've all had them as well. We've all had someone you maybe a coworker or something and you think to yourself I don't want to do what that guy did. That guy made a wreck out of his life. Or maybe you think to yourself, she has made such terrible decisions. I'll learn from that. I don't want to go what that person is going through because they have made a mess out of their lives. It's sad because through my work history, I have had some close friends. And you know they're just like me. They're trying to raise their family, trying to find their way. And I have seen them just completely crash and burn and lost everything and it's sad but that serves as an example to me of what not to do don't do what he just did he messed up everything don't do that we all have those type of people in our lives that show us what not to do well there are indeed examples in this bible of people that show us what not to do don't do what these people did today we're going to look at one of them. We're going to look at someone that embodies what not to do. Someone that represents don't behave like this person behaved. When we are going to talk about King Saul. Okay, King Saul from the book of 1 Samuel. He encapsulates what not to do. Don't do what he did. Uh Uh-uh. So I have a lot of scripture this morning. And we're going to read a lot of it will be coming. Most all of it will come out of 1 Samuel. So if you turn to 1 Samuel as you're in there, maybe leave your Bible open. Or we'll do our best to get it up on the screens. But you don't have to open and shut your Bible all day today. Because we're going to stay in 1 Samuel. Lots of scripture to run through. But the Bible leaves us this example. It records the life of King Saul for us to go back and look at. And see, what can we gain from this man's life? What kind of understanding can I get from this man's life? God put this man, God recorded this man's life in the word for us in the book of 1 Samuel. What can we gain out of it this morning? Well, his story really is a very, very sad story. Very sad story, the story of King Saul. It starts out, the, the elders of Israel, they come to the prophet Samuel. And they desire a king. Now, if you've done any research on any of that, you'll know that Israel was not intended to have a monarchy. They were not intended. They were not designed to have a king. They were designed to have a prophet. God would speak to the prophet. The prophet would speak to the people. They were not supposed to have a king. But the people desired a king. They went to the elders, and the elders went to Samuel, and they said, we want a king. We desire a king. God says, Okay, okay, you want a king? I'll give you a king. So that's really our, where our story starts out. Is Saul is going to be the very first king over the nation of Israel, over the na- nation of the Israelites. Okay, we'll start out in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. It says, Now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish. This is Saul's father. The son of... Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bictorath, the son of Aphariah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. There was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and up he was higher than any of the people." So here's this man, the Bible says, there's no one more goodly. There's no one better than Saul in the whole nation. Out of all the people they could pick, there's one standout that's the best. There's no one more good than Saul. And he's also, he's nice and tall. He's head and shoulders than everyone else. So this man just sticks out amongst the tons of Israelites. There's one man that sticks out. No one's better than Saul, the Bible tells us. Well, there's There's some sort of issue, we're not going to read everything or we'd be here forever, but there's some sort of issue where Saul's father loses a herd of livestock. Saul goes out to find this herd of livestock and it's where he crosses path with the prophet Samuel. Samuel's the prophet of this time. He's the man of God of the time that speaks to the people, the words of God. So Saul, looking for these lost donkeys, meets up with Samuel. Samuel has the authority to anoint this first king. Okay, so now we're going to read First Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. Okay, it says, Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? Skip down to verse 6. It says in the spirit of the Lord will come upon thee and thou shalt prophesy with them and shall be turned into another man. And let it be when these signs come unto thee that thou shalt do as occasion serve thee for God is with thee. Okay skip down to verse 9. 1 Samuel ten nine says, And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came hither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him. And the Spirit of God came upon Saul, and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass when all that knew him before saw that, Behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, What is this that's coming to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Okay, so here we have this good man picked out, no one better. In all the nation of Israel, there's someone that stands out, head and shoulders above the rest. He's anointed by the prophet. He pours this vial of oil over Saul, anoints him as the very first king of Israel. What a tremendous accomplishment in this man's life. What a tremendous responsibility placed on this man Hand-picked by God. Do you get that? God came down and said, there he is. That's my man. That's the one that I want. That's the one that I choose. Now, the Bible says it gave him another heart. God took the stony heart out of Saul and gave him a heart of flesh. Put his heart into him. And the Bible says his spirit, the spirit of God came over Saul. So it made him a whole. He was completely transformed from the old Saul to the new Saul, this man of God. God's spirit is on him. God puts a new heart in him. And then he begins to prophesy among the prophets. And all the people see it, and they start nudging each other, and they say, Is this Saul? I've known Saul all my life. What's happened to him? He's prophesying. So they're amazed seeing the hand of God over Saul's life. They can't believe it's him. I've known Saul all my life, they say. Now look at him. He's prophesying among the prophets. So that is how Saul's life is beginning, as the first king of the Israel nation. Okay? He's prophesying. A new heart's put in him. The hand of the Lord comes over him. They're all amazed that he's completely a changed man. Saul, God gives him a new heart, and his spirit comes over him. Listen, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 24 says... And Samuel said to all the people, See ye him who the Lord has chosen, that there's no one like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king. So Samuel the prophet presents Saul it says, here he is. This is the one that the Lord has chosen. And the people love it. And they say, God saved the king. They got what they wanted. They got a king that they wanted. Everyone's happy. They're all joyous. They worship and they're all, everything is all good in the nation of Israel. God had handpicked Saul to rule over his people. Never been a king before. And here he is. This first one is set up king over Israel. God chose Saul. God's spirit was in Saul. Saul was prophesying, and Saul had been given a new heart. It wasn't very long after that, that a man named Nahash, the Ammonite, came up against a small group of the Israelites and wanted to enslave them and make them slaves. And in doing so, he said, you know, come to me. I want to make you this small group of Israelites. I want to make you guys my slaves. And in doing so, I'm going to put out all of your right eyes. I'm going to poke it out with a hot poker or whatever they do. He wants to put out all of their right eyes because then I'll know you people are my slaves. I want all you guys to serve me. This, this Ammonite leader says that. Well, the people are just a small group of people, so they're fearful. They're all, oh, they're undone. They're afraid. And everyone starts weeping and crying. They don't want to have their eyes poked out. They don't want to be slaves to this Ammonite person. So 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 5, says this, And behold, Saul came after the herd out of the field. And Saul said, What ails the people that they weep? And they told him the tidings of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Saul when he heard those tidings, and his anger was greatly kindled. So Saul goes and rallies all these peoples from the different tribes of Israel gathers them all together and says ain't nobody's getting their eyes plucked out nobody's going to be a servant let's go to war against these people so actually they do go to war against them the Israelites do and they slaughter these guys that the Bible actually says no two of them were left together meaning they slaughtered them and they ran in so many different directions that there wasn't even two of the Amorites that ran together, they ran in every direction. There was a great slaughter. The people were happy. They start worshiping. Here's Saul stepping in his newly anointed king, and he has this great victory right off the bat of these people that are in trying to enslave the Israelites, and they slaughter them and send them scattering. Everyone's cheering. It says they worship the Lord, they started. they were all happy. All was good. They loved their king. Well, not long after that. A giant army of Philistines comes up against the Israelites. We all know that Philistines are like the mortal, eternal enemies of the Israelites, right? And there's a lot of them, and there was some big, gnarly guys. Some of them were some giants. We know Goliath, all that was one of them. So Samuel, the prophet, tells Saul, this, here's this giant army of Philistines facing the Israelites, and they're kind of worried because this is a formidable foe. There's tons of them. Samuel, a prophet, comes to Saul and says, Saul, go travel to this certain place. Wait there seven days. Then I will come. I'll perform the burnt offering, and we'll hear the word of the Lord, and he will instruct us how to deal with these Philistines. Saul says, okay. So he travels to this place, and he's kind of waiting around, for Samuel to come, to do this offering. But Saul does something he's not supposed to do. And here's where things start to get a little sketchy with Saul, okay? he's told him to wait, He told him to wait seven days. Samuel said, Saul, you wait seven days. I'll be there. I'll make the burnt offering. Well, Saul's waiting. He's getting a little nervous. He's getting antsy. I mean, how would you feel if the Philistine army, if a giant army was camped against you, getting ready to slaughter all of your friends and family, and and you were the king over it all, the responsibility fell on you? I would be antsy too. I'd be saying, hey, we need to do something. Hey, let's go, let's go. Well, that seventh day comes, Samuel's not around, and Saul says, I got an idea. I'll go ahead and I'll make the burnt offering. He wasn't supposed to do that. That's not what the instruction of the Lord was. The Lord was very specific at that time. Who makes the burnt offering? Was not supposed to be Saul. So he does something he's not supposed to do. Okay, let's read in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 10. Lots of scripture this morning, but that'll be all right. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. And Samuel said, What have you done? And Saul said, Because I saw the people were scattered from me, and that thou came not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Mishmash. Therefore I said, The Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord." I forced myself, therefore, and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be captain over his people, because you have not kept that which the Lord has commanded thee. So Saul even though he intended well, did not listen to the commandment of the Lord. He didn't. Now, he didn't do it out of an evil motivation. He didn't. He was afraid. He was worried. The responsibility was his. What are these, these Philistines? Here they are, camped against me. They're going to attack. I got to do something, he said. But he already had the command of the Lord. Wait there until the prophet Samuel makes the, sa- the burnt sacrifice Then the Lord will instruct you. But he got antsy, and he did things his way. Not God's way, his way. Now, even though he didn't have evil intentions, he still said, Lord, I can't wait around forever. I'll do things my way. That is what Saul did in this situation. I'll do it my way. Not your way, God. Your way ain't getting it. Here's these people. They're breathing down my neck. They're going to come kill us all. I got to take action, God. But that's not what God told him to do. You wait there, Saul. Wait, just wait patiently. He did it his way. He took it upon himself to fix things. Well, that resonates so much with me because I hate waiting around. You know, we're learning on Sunday nights Of these temperaments. And my temperament, let's get it done. What's the problem? Okay, here's the problem. Let's fix the problem. What do we need to do to fix the problem? Who do we need to put in the right position to fix? What do we got to do? What resources do we need? Let's get it done. Let's make it right. What do we need to do? And then, Lord, sometimes he says, wait. Just stand there and wait. But we say to ourselves, okay, I'll I'll wait here, Lord. But after a little while, I can't take this no more, Lord. I'm going to do it my way. In a sense, it says, Lord, I know better than you do. That's, what it, that's really what Saul was saying is, God, you ain't doing nothing, so therefore I am. That's really what Saul says. He's the king. This tremendous responsibility is on him. And Saul says in this situation, I'm going to do it my way, Lord. But ultimately, even in that, God is merciful, okay? Remember, they have this giant army of the Philistines encamped against them, but it's actually... Jonathan, Saul's son, and his armor bearer go in there and they, they slaughter a small garrison of the Philistines you know, in, in the darkness. And the Philistines don't know what's going on. They end up starting to fight each other and slaughter each other. And it creates such a ripple effect in the army of the Philistines that they end up just taking off. They scatter. They didn't even have to fight them. So First Samuel 14, 23 says, So the Lord saved Israel that day. And the battle passed, passed over unto Bethhaven. Even though Saul said, I got a better way, Lord. I can't wait around forever. The Lord was still merciful and saved Israel that day. And caused the Philistines to fight amongst themselves and flee. So God was still merciful. Okay, so we're going to continue on with our story of Saul. Samuel, the prophet, you remember. He comes to Saul because the Lord has spoken to Samuel. And Samuel says, Saul, the Lord's spoken to me. Here's what I want you to do Slay the Amalekites. Okay? Go in, slaughter the Amalekites. Take no prisoners, leave none alive. Take no spoils. All of it is an abomination to God. Don't touch anything. Go in there and slaughter the Amalekites, okay? That's it. Very simple. I can understand that. It's very simple. Go in there and slaughter the Amalekites. Leave none alive and then come back. That's all you got to do, Saul. That's what the Lord wants. That's all you got to do. It's that simple, okay? No spoils, no nothing. Now, we have a good bit of reading to do in 1 Samuel 15. So Saul has these very simple instructions. Let's read how he carries them out. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 8. Okay, we got to read a bit. So, And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile, and refused, that they destroyed utterly. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place. And he has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel said to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. So he had simple instructions, go in there and slay the Amalekites. Slaughter them all, don't take none alive, don't take any spoils. We saw that he took of the good things, he took the good stuff, left the king alive, brings it all back. And the first thing he says to the prophet is, blessed is the Lord, I perform the commandment of God. Let's keep reading in verse 14. And Samuel said, What means this then, the bleeding of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stay, and I'll tell you what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When you were little in your own sight, Were you not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? And the Lord sent thee on a journey, and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then did thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but did fly upon the spoils, and did evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought back Agag the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoils, sheep, and oxen, and chief of the things which which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And Samuel says, Has the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as the iniquity of idolatry. And because thou rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. And Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin, and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord. Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected thee from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned to go away. He laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle and rent it. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord has rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. And also, the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. So Samuel turned again after Saul and worshipped with Saul, worshipped the Lord. So you see what we have here is simple instructions from God, but Saul can't do that. He doesn't do that destroy everyone but he doesn't they go there and they see they have some good stuff he spares the king they take the best of it and bring it back and you see Saul lies about it twice he says i have done performed the commandments of the lord and the prophet's saying, then why do I hear sheep? Why do I hear cows mooing? You weren't supposed to take any of that. I was very specific. I told you exactly what I wanted, what the Lord wanted, and you didn't do that. He says, yeah, I did. I went in there and I utterly destroyed them all. And the people took stuff because we'll sacrifice it unto the Lord. That Saul is still trapped up in this lie, lying to himself. He fears the people more than he does the Lord. He's trying to make this defense. He's saying, oh, yeah, we we took of the good stuff, but that's so that we can sacrifice to the Lord. You know what he's doing again? He's saying, I have a better way. My way is better than the Lord's. We'll take some of the stuff, and we'll even use it for good. We'll we'll sacrifice it unto the Lord. But that's not what the Lord commanded. It is not. He didn't say, go and get that stuff and, and make it a sacrifice. He said, destroy it. All that stuff was an abomination to him. I don't want my people touching any of it. Go in there. Very simple. But Saul can't even, can't even do the most basic of things. All you have to do is obey. All he had to do was obey. And Saul finally admits, All right, all right. I feared the people more than I did the Lord. So in other words, he was influenced by what the people wanted. What all of his friends wanted, what all of his advisors said. Hey, there's some good cattle. We're going to waste them? Hey, man, they got some good golden tunics or whatever it is. Hey, let's take some of their tents. They were made out of good fabric. And they went through and they picked out the best of the best of the stuff. And they took it back. God said not to. Saul said, I got a better way than you, Lord. We'll take this stuff and we'll sacrifice it. God didn't want him to touch it. He feared the people, and he obeyed their voice. You understand, Saul was handpicked by God to obey him, to lead his people. The Israelites were God's people. They were his chosen people, his nation. Saul was set up to be their leader, and he can't obey the Lord. He he won't obey the Lord. His repetitive behavior is disobedience. We're going to do things my way. Lord, you can make suggestions, but we're going to do things my way. Well, how many of us, when we pray, we make suggestions to God? I find myself doing that, suggesting to God how to fix things, suggesting to God how I want things carried out. Well, He's God. Uh -uh, We're just people. We're flesh and blood here today and gone tomorrow. We don't. Let me cue you in. You don't have a better way than God. You don't. I don't. So, Samuel, the the voice of the Lord speaks into Samuel, the prophet, and he, he rips his tunic and says, the kingdom is ripped away from you. You can't obey. You won't obey. You refuse to obey. There's a pattern of repetitive behavior that you just refuse the voice of God Therefore, the kingdom's ripped from you. God would have established it forever in your seed, but not anymore because you can't obey. You can't obey the most simple thing, Saul. Therefore, the kingdom is ripped away from you. And Saul says, oh, I did sin. I did sin. Please don't embarrass me in front of the elders. Please worship with me. So Samuel kind of relents and turns back and they worship the Lord together. So Saul won't obey the Lord and you can see his life. You can see his repetitive behavior. He's beginning to slowly turn away from the Lord. Understand, we just read moments ago, God gave him a new heart. He was prophesying. He was, there was no one more goodly, it said, than Saul, head and shoulders above the rest. But slowly, over the course of his life, he just begins to turn away from the Lord. Why? Because he has his own way. He has his own agenda, his own thoughts, his own mission. And God's not going to stand in the way of it. Saul doesn't obey again and tries to lie about it. He fears the people more than the Lord. How about you just obey, Saul? Just obey. It's that simple. You see, Saul is making a track record for himself. A track record of defiance against God. Okay? He keeps doing things his way. Brothers and sisters, when when you and I keep doing things our way and not listening to the Lord, we're going to have trouble. It's not going to end well. When, When we read things in the Word and it says, here's the commandment of God, and we say, i got a better way. It's not going to end well for you. It's not going to end well for your family. It's not going to end well for your children, your marriage. It is not. It's not. This is why we have Saul, that we can go back and look And what happens to a man who continually disobeys the commandment of God? That's why he's in here. Because there's going to be trouble. You keep disobeying the Lord, there's going to be trouble in your life. So God says to Samuel, let's continue on with our journey here. God says to Samuel, that's it. I've had enough. Go and anoint David, okay? The the son of Jesse. Remember David the shepherd. Now we're not going to look too much at David this morning. We don't have the time for it. But 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 14 says, "But the spirit of the Lord, listen now, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him." This is where the story really begins to get sad and kind of scary as a matter of fact, because the Lord departs from Saul. It, 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 the Lord says, What other options I got? He won't listen. I put him there to watch over my people, to shepherd my people, to be a good king over people, to be a man after my heart. But he keeps doing things my way. I got no other option, God says. My spirit has to depart. And it says the spirit of the Lord. How scary is that? The spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. You know, it's not so much that God sends this evil spirit into him. But it's the fact that when the Lord departs from a man, the Lord embodies everything that is good and righteous and pure and holy. When that leaves a man or a woman, an individual, when all that is good leaves a man, there is nothing left but evil, brothers and sisters. Nothing left but twisted, evil, deceitful, humanity That's all that is left. Now, it's sad that it says the Spirit of the Lord departed Paul. Do you remember the scriptures we just read? Gave him a new heart. He prophesied among the prophets. The, the people nudged each other and said, is this Saul prophesying? Holy smokes, I've known Saul since he's been little. Man, he's, how did he change like this? He was given a new heart, chosen by God, handpicked by God. The, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. Now here we are, all these years later, after all the years of disobedience, God departs He says, I can't do this anymore. Amen. I'm sorry, i got no other options. He won't listen. Very sad. Very, very sad. Saul clearly made his decision. Well, I'm going to do things my way, Lord. Thanks, but no thanks. I'll listen to you. Maybe I'll do a little bit of what you say. But if I don't agree with it, I'm doing it my way because i got a better way. Boy, it's sad. This is, we're talking about a person hand-picked by God. You know, that, that kind of puts some fear into me. Here I am, a young pastor. I want the Spirit of the Lord upon me. But, but we read here. You want to do things your way. You want to not obey this Word. What options does God have? That's scary. After years of disobedience, God had no choice but to depart. You know, the same goes for us. We have this strange thing called free will. I can choose to read something in this Word and say, Nah, ain't going to obey it. Ain't going to do it. God's not going to stop me. He's not. I, I can run this church into the ground and crash and burn it. God's not going to stop me. He might send some warnings along the way. But He's not going to stop me. If that's my choice, if that's the, the path that I want to take, whew, it's scary. We can choose, brothers and sisters, whether to obey or whether to disobey, to do things the biblical way or our way. That same choice is upon us. Free will. Choose. Scary. <clears throat> How sad. How sad the picture of Saul's life. Look what his Saul, Look what Saul once was. Man, going out there and defending the nation of Israel. Remember those people that came to poke out the right eyes of all those people? They were going to make them slaves. The Spirit of the Lord came over Saul and made him angry and said, I don't think so, nothing's going to happen to the people of God. And he went and slaughtered them. No two were together when they ran. Now here we are. The Spirit of the Lord departs from Saul, and they're already anointing another king. Maybe that's why God says, I don't really want any kings over the nation of Israel. Here we are, the very first ones got it all butchered up. The people loved him. He was chosen by God. Remember, God saved the king, they would say. There was victories and triumph in battle. They would worship together. All that's gone now. The Spirit of God is gone. Now, oddly enough, some of Saul's buddies come to him and they say, Hey, Saul, we see that you're troubled. You know, To help calm you down, why don't you find someone who can play the harp or some soothing music? That might calm you down when you when you go into your fits of rage or whatever it is. And oddly enough, they get David, the son of D- Jesse, who'd been anointed king. You know, and David just kind of keeps quiet. And they say, "Hey, go there and play the harp." When when he says, "Play the harp, play the harp," so he does. He goes and plays the harp. First Samuel chapter sixteen, verse twenty-three. Let's move along. We gotta hurry along here. And it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that David took an harp. And played with his hand, so Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed him. This is scary. I don't know what was actually happening to Saul, but whatever it was, he was tormented, filled with torment. To me, it sounds like he had no peace. You know, one of the fruits of the spirit from serving God is peace. It's to have a sound mind. Saul does not have that. He does not have peace. He's tormented. Ooh, it's scary. So David plays this harp. And it calms them down. Well, you remember those Philistines, right? Remember that big Goliath? I actually preached on it a couple months ago. The, the, the Goliath comes, and David goes and kills him, and the Israelites go out to slaughter, the great slaughter of the Philistines. So it's a tremendous victory. And we're going to start reading again in 1 Samuel 18, verse 6. Okay. It says, "...and it came to pass..." As they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played, and said, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. and and Saul was very wroth when he when the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand as at other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I'll stick David to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. There's this great slaughter of the Philistines. The people are singing, Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. So twisted Saul begins to have these roots of bitterness and hatred go towards David. David didn't do anything to Saul. Nothing. Just trying to help the kingdom of Israel. Yet here's Saul begin to be twisted and hardened. And this plot devises into him, I hate David. Now now hatred is beginning to come over Saul. Would you see now how Saul's life is completely being turned to go off the path that God had chosen for him? Completely. Now he has David that he hates and he eyes him and he looks for an opportunity to get rid of David. He says to himself, David's trying to usurp the kingdom from me. I'll take care of him. He tries to stick him to the wall with a javelin. But the Lord is with David. The Lord delivers David. Why? Because the hand of the Lord is over David now and is departed from Saul. I don't know about you, but that's kind of a little bit scary when I read about the life of Saul. It strikes fear into me. Any one of us, none of us are exempted from this. Do you understand that? It could be you a few weeks from now, twisted, diabolical. It could be me. If I keep saying, Lord, I'm doing things my way, it could be you. It could be me. You see, Saul is turning into a twisted version of his old self, devising these wicked plans to kill David. David. But the Lord's hand's over David, and he escapes all of them. And all the time that we know this goes cat and mouse for a long time, Saul's trying to kill David. David's fleeing from him all over and can't understand. David had many opportunities even to slay Saul, but David is pure of heart, doesn't want to kill the king. That's God's anointed. I'm not going to do it, David says. So cat and mouse happens for a long time and all the more Saul becomes more and more consumed by rage, anger, hatred. More and more is divi- he's, he's divided within himself. He's wicked. It's just consuming him now to where there's nearly no traces of what he once was left in this man. <clears throat> he's full of jealousy and rage. He even sl. sl- Slays hatred on his own son, Jonathan, who becomes friends with David and loves David. Boy, Saul says some terrible things to his own son. Now, eventually, in our story, Samuel the prophet gets old and dies. Okay. Well, the Philistines regroup, they regather, and they come up again against the nation of Israel. Let's read in 1 Samuel chapter 28. Verse 5. It says, And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid and greatly trembled. Now remember, Samuel, a prophet, is gone. He's died. And when Samuel inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by the prophets. Then said Saul unto her servants, Seek me, a woman, that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said unto him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. So Saul, the spirit of the Lord departed from him. He he says, Lord, what should I do? The Philistines are coming about me. The Lord says, It ain't worth my time. You won't listen anyway. We've been down this road a hundred times, Saul. You're not going to listen. So the Lord's departed. Doesn't answer Saul. So what does Saul do? Get me a witch. Find me a soothsayer. Find me a diviner. Some someone like that. Now, you know, previously Saul had actually banned all of the soothsaying, all the divination, out of the nation of Israel. It was illegal when Saul was in his right mind, when Saul was righteous, when Saul was obedient. It was illegal. So they had to seek one out. And when they found this witch, this witch said, uh, I'm not gonna do it, uh-uh, because this is illegal. And Saul says, he actually d- disguised himself even. But Saul says, no, I promise, I swear, we won't do anything unto you. This is another sign that he's completely twisted from what he once was. It was illegal to be a witch or a warlock and to perform black magic and to raise up familiar spirits. But now Saul is seeking their counsel. You see how twisted he is. What once was an abomination to Saul, now he seeks it out to gain wisdom, to, 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 to see what should I do. He consults a soothsayer, a, a witch, disguises himself. And you know, what's funny enough is this witch says, well, who do you want me, what spirit do you want me to raise up? And Saul says, Samuel. This guy's a complete idiot now. He's just an idiot. What, what's he think Samuel's going to say to him? Hey, buddy, how you doing? I've missed you no way Samuel knows how Saul is so they this this witch conjures up the spirit of Samuel verse first Samuel chapter 28 verse 16 says then said Samuel wherefore then dost thou ask of me seeing the lord is departed from thee and has become thine enemy And the Lord has done to him as he spake by me. For the Lord has rent the kingdom out of thy hands and given it to thy neighbor, even to David, because thou obeyed not the voice of the Lord, nor executed his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing unto thee this day. I don't know why he chose to raise Samuel up, because Samuel just told him the truth. Hey, I'm not going to tell you anything different than I ever have ever told you. You should have listened to the Lord. He rent the kingdom from you, and he's given it to David. That's all I'm going to tell you. So Saul's filled with fear. Now, I'll I'll bring this to a close. If I can invite the band back up. Uh, As they make their way, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 31, verse 3. It says, And the battle went sore against Saul. Remember, this is the Philistine army. And the archers hit him, and he was sore wounded of the archers. Listen now, this is going to sum up our story. Then said Saul unto his armor bearer, Draw thy sword and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. Brothers and sisters, that's how our story ends. Saul kills himself, takes his own life takes his sword, and thrusts himself through. This man that was handpicked by God, that once had the Spirit of the Lord over him, protecting him, guiding him, sheltering him. Do you see what could have been with Saul? What could have been, what he could have had? Saul, you had it all right there. All you had to do was obey Saul. And here we are. Saul's completely twisted completely gone completely blown away from what he once was and the end result was he takes his own life kills himself brothers and sisters that can be any one of us any one of us can become twisted a twisted version of what the lord has done in our lives he takes his life what a sad ending For a man that was once close to the Lord, that had the gifting of prophecy over him, that had a new heart placed in him, heart from God into him. What a sad ending. We saw Saul's life become twisted and evil because of the repetitive rejection of the command of God. Saul did things his own way. He always knew better than God. Now, this is a story of a man's life of what not to do. We are to look in 1 Samuel and examine ourselves and say, I don't want to do what he did. I don't want to go down that road. No way. Do not follow Saul's example. Don't be like him. That's why he's in there for us to observe observe him and say to ourselves, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to go down that road. Brothers and sisters, do not reject the commandments of God. It will not end well for you. It will not end well for your family. Just a couple more things here. Joshua, the book of Joshua 25, 24, verse 15 says, Choose you this day whom ye will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Brothers and sisters, you have the free will choice. You can choose to obey or you can choose to say no thank you. But I want to ask you as we finish up, what kind of example are you going to be? When people look back at your life, when your children look to you, when your family members look to you, when your neighbors look at you, when they observe you, when they observe your reactions and your responses, when bombs come into your life and they see how you speak, they see what comes out of you, what kind of example are you setting for all of them? When you're laying on your deathbed and you look back, what is your life going to represent? Is someone else going to look at you and say, I don't want to be like that guy. He made a train wreck out of his life. Or is your life going to represent a life of godly decisions, of humility, of obedience unto the Lord? What kind of example are you setting for those around you, brothers and sisters? What kind of example are you going to be? What's your life represent? What will you choose? To obey the commandment of the Lord or not? Let's stand. These altars are always open come and seek the Lord, worship the Lord, and then we will dismiss. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.